We've got football coming up tonight. The NFL season kicks off with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Houston Texans. Out on the diamond, it was a beautiful day for some baseball. Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. You're listening to WNCT 9 on your side, Sports Talk, with Sports Director Brian Bailey, Nolan Knight, and Kelsey O'Donnell. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the 9 on your side, Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bailey. Nolan Knight is to my left, and to my right is Kelsey O'Donnell. We make up the 9 on your side, Sports team, and we're talking sports today, and we're going to start with East Carolina Pirate football, the Pirates in the green wave of Tulane this past Saturday at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, a game that I think most Pirate fans really thought the Pirates would, would play well in. They thought the Pirates would possibly win the game, but no one didn't turn out that way. And, and you know, when you look back at it, uh, this Tulane team brought a big defensive line, a big mm-hmm. offensive line with lots of experience, and they pretty much had their way, didn't they? Yeah, and they prepared for East Carolina. You could really tell that they were ready for everything that East Carolina was going to throw at them. You know, before the game, when we were leading, up to Saturday, I, I kept joking around and kept saying that it was the most confident one in four team in, in yeah. the country. There was so much confidence around this East Carolina team that went on the road, got a win at USF, then they came back home, nearly beat a Navy team without their starting quarterback, right. Colton Nailers, because of a false positive test. And then they got robbed in Oklahoma. So they were this one in just one win team that had so much confidence. And you thought that they would take care of a two lane team that that's been wishy washy this year, beating good teams, losing to bad teams. Uh, and so when they show up on Saturday, you expect it to be a, a good game at least, if not a win for East Carolina, and that was not the case at all. Tulane looked prepared. They looked fast. They looked uh, experienced, and, and frankly, East Carolina, you know, they were able to tie it up 7-7 at one point, but then once Tulane started getting some momentum, it was kind of a snowball effect for East Carolina where they couldn't get anything going until it didn't matter anymore when they got the, the final two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the old adage goes that you set up – you know, you set up the pass with the run, but but basically what Tulane did was the opposite. They set up the run with the pass. They threw the football in some short routes early on, and then when, when the Pirates got on those receivers, it seemed like all of a sudden, I mean, Tulane ran for almost 300 yards in the game, and the Pirates couldn't run, couldn't run the football hardly at all, and that was a key. It was really the first time that we haven't seen you know, it was the first time that the, the East Carolina defense looked almost unprepared. You, you know, East Carolina, they got they got thumped by, by UCF. But even in that game, there were some great defensive line stops. There were some tackles for loss. Uh, they looked good in that game. But, but versus Tulane, never did the East Carolina defense look uh, prepared. Or I don't know if prepared is the word, but uh, they just looked outmatched. I agree. I think going in and having your bye week was kind of an unfortunate situation. They were off of that high off the of Navy. Um, definitely looking at the picture as a whole, though, they are progressing compared to last year and matching up in the American. I think that they are progressing at a rate that they should be. And it ta- listening to Houston during his press conference, it was nice to hear that, yes, there were things that they need to work on. They're still young, but they're focusing on the positives and they're focusing on the little things that even the coaching staff can work on to get better as a team they have a tough one coming up this weekend on oh, friday yeah. friday the 13th mind you the last friday oh, was Lord. bad enough now we got <laughs> friday the 13th against Number cincinnati seven. the bearcats are riding an 18 game home winning streak last season 
There were only four teams in the last two seasons that were unbeaten at home, and they were Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and the Cincinnati Bearcats. So the Bearcats just don't lose at home right now. They're they're such a good program. (laughs) Uh, You know, the Americans have been pushing this power six, and and the Cincinnati Bearcats are the epitome of of what – the American wants the mm-hmm. American to be. And I don't think anyone as a fan wants to say you kind of want to be like this program, but if you're an East Carolina fan, you want East Carolina to be the Cincinnati of North Carolina. You know, Cincinnati kind of sits in the shadows of Ohio State, but guess what? They're in seventh in the nation and have mm-hmm. a legitimate shot of possibly playing in the college football playoff this year if they get some help from some SEC schools knocking off some other teams as well. But what a program Cincinnati is, and it's not going to be easy to go on the road under the lights uh, on Friday night. Looking at Cincinnati, too, I think it's really exciting for the American that they're up that high. Obviously, 6-0 is a great, great deal for them this season. But I was listening to the press conference again, and Houston was saying that, you know, it takes a lot to get to the top, but it's even harder to stay there. So East Carolina, like all these other teams, are bringing their A game, and it's very unique to be able to, I guess, go through your season and having play everyone at their best game so to speak. And looking at the rest of the schedule, I mean, you kind of hate to say it, but if East Carolina right now what this schedule is, if, if they're going to get another win this year, they're going to be an underdog in every game. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to show up to play every single week right. now with the rest of their schedule. Obviously, there's talks about adding another game later, though. Yeah, their best chance at a win would probably be Temple up in Philadelphia, but that's mid-November in Philadelphia. Well, nope. yeah. one, one of us is well. from up north. One of us is a true <laughs> I Yankee. who. <laughs> and, and it's going to be cold, and the Pirates have a history of not playing very well. Hopefully uh, no in the snow, cold. though. Yeah, hopefully no snow. <laughs> and then know. the Pirates come back at home, and they play SMU. Now, now we say the most winnable of the games is probably Temple, but SMU, the Pirates played SMU really tough right. last year. In fact, the Pirates played Cincinnati to a 46-43 game last year, and the Bearcats won oh, it on the right. last play of the game on a field goal. So, right. I mean, I don't think that anybody on the East Carolina team thinks they're going to go to Cincinnati and definitely come home with a loss. I think they think they've got a chance. We just know that this Cincinnati team is really, really good. And you touched on the college football playoff. What the American desperately needs is for the playoff to go to eight teams because they'd have a much oh, yeah. better chance of getting mm-hmm. someone in the top eight than they will a top four. Because I really think, and it's not fair, but I really think that the powers that be will do anything and everything to keep the American out of that top four slot. And you know, there's It's arguments. difficult for them to get in right. as well. Very, and especially in a year like this, Whereas if, if we were in a normal year when you have your non-conference games and say you play a power five or two and, and you play – one year East Carolina had it going and they beat Virginia Tech and West Virginia. Both were ranked nationally. Mm-hmm. And East Carolina beat those two. And there was some talk, hey, if the Pirates run the table, you know, that was before the college football playoff, but they were still talking about major bowl and that kind of thing. But it's just so difficult to do any of that. But but if you have you know at least one really big win – but with all of that taken away because of the COVID, it's going to be very even more difficult. To continue talking about the college football playoff, if, as well, if Cincinnati does run the table and, and if they beat teams at, with you know without a doubt, I, I think it would be hard, especially if, if other teams have one loss, if not two losses, mm-hmm. which could be the case this year, uh, then it's going to be tough. I, Notre Dame now being in the ACC for this season is going to make it tougher for them as well. But I think it will come down to is – if the college football playoff committee really does weigh the American conference as high as the rankings have this year at, at, at some point in the AP rankings. How do you guys feel about the rankings? So Ohio state, obviously they're ranked number three right now. They've only played three games under their belt. 
Do you feel that that's a good matchup as compared to some of these other teams who have played a full season? Well, that's so hard to tell too, because you know, with the COVID and with them not even going, they weren't even going to play, right? You know, so so they they decided to get back into it, and uh, you know, the, the Big Ten deciding to finally play and get the games you know scheduled. They've got a lot of football to play between now yeah. and, and January, so and, I think that'll play out. And we were talking earlier uh, last week about the fact that you know the AP rankings are going to be so different than what yeah. we see once the college football. <laughs> You yeah. know, rankings come out. You know, for instance, uh, Coastal Carolina, I think, is still their top 15 yeah. team right now. Mm-hmm. College football playoff rankings come out. They'll probably drop down to, like, 23. Yeah. So it, it's tough to to get any feel for anything right now in terms of rankings. And I guess that's why coaches always <laughs> say not to talk about them. But yeah. they're fun, too. Yeah, Pirates and to Cincinnati at. coming up this week. 7.30 start time uh, on Friday night, Friday the 13th for the Pirates and the Bearcats. <laughs> right, let's talk some other college football. You guys are Virginia Tech Hokies. Oh, you started with that. I found it, <laughs> I found it interesting that the, the Hokies were playing the Liberty Flames. The Liberty, the, the Liberty top was undefeated. Ranked, ranked the undefeated. Nationally. Yeah, they ranked, ranked nationally, yeah. and Virginia Tech was still a two-touchdown favorite. Now, I'm going to tell you how, how my day went on Saturday. So after the game, we go up to Coach's office, and we get to interview him for the Coach's show mm-hmm. and some of the stuff we do. So they're in my ear telling me that Virginia Tech blocked a field goal to win the game over Liberty. So, so, and they're saying it's unbelievable. We just saw they blocked a field goal. It's Beamer ball without Beamer. So I take my earpiece out to go get Coach Houston, and we're talking to some of the other assistant coaches, and I'm telling them, hey, Virginia Tech just won a blocked <laughs> field goal. And then we look up the monitor, and they're showing the blocked field goal and back, and then, then they show the final score, and then they show the winning field goal. So what happened was Virginia Tech called timeout, and that was I'm a unapologetic Hokie fan. I, you know, obviously, I went to school there. I had just, you know, we finished with everything. The game ended. I had just put the camera in the bag. I said, I have just enough time to, to pull up this final drive on my phone. Oh, I no. pulled it up just in, just in time <laughs> to see the blocked field goal. I start going crazy. I text my dad. Get Then all of a sudden, I was, let me pull it back up. Sure enough, <laughs> next thing I know, free first down, easy three points, game over, and then just a whirlwind of reading what everyone's thoughts were about uh, the coaching decisions there over at uh, Virginia Tech. I think Liberty is definitely flying under the radar and is much better than people are expecting them to be. All of a sudden. Since they, yes. yeah. The quarterback, is he's great. He, he's yeah. uh, hes an Auburn transfer. He right. didn't get to play much in Auburn, so he, he is really talented. Give mm-hmm. him credit for sure, but... It uh, could have been avoided uh, with some coaching decision. You know, normally you don't ice a kicker when it's a 59-yard attempt, <laughs> especially when the field goal kicker's previous long is 42. Mm-hmm. And so wow, Virginia Tech that. decided to ice a kicker with, uh, for a 59-yard attempt, yeah. and they lose. There you go. All right, the uh, ACC Carolina rolled by Duke last week. They take on Wake Forest this week, North Carolina State and Florida State. And NC State's had a history of really playing well against Florida State back mm-hmm. when Florida State was – you know, one of the top five programs in the in the country. Florida State's not there right now, but that's what the Wolfpack has. It's also National Signing Day today, uh, and it's a very different National Signing Day. You know, in Pitt County, you're not allowed to go to the mm-hmm. actual campus to do anything. And so we had two very different signings. Jaquavion Smith signing with the Wolfpack of NC State. He did his through Facebook Live. Uh, a Zoom type interview, and then Dontre Styles. They had people in Lenore County and Kinston High School had. Uh, they asked everybody to wear a mask, but uh, everybody was able to, to go to that. So those are two outstanding players. We're going to have a shortened basketball season mm-hmm. in, in the in the spring or, or late winter, but it's going to be fun. How, how cool is that to 
to two two teams right right where you're at going to an ACC school. Uh, that's how much talent is that is in yeah. Eastern North Carolina basketball. It's it's so cool. You know, I give these athletes all the credit in the world being able to do this during COVID and knowing that they're still going to having those awesome opportunities um, with some of them. I've talked to a few um, athletes aren't even able to go on campus. So they're right. lucky that maybe it isn't in state and you can go see it, but say it's halfway across the country, you have to do a virtual tour and then you're okay, here we go. I'm going to sign. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really amazing. And to hear some of the so. coaches say what they're going through with the dead oh, periods yeah. and trying to, you know, communicate, you can talk on the phone, you can do this, you can do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. So it's, it's all well, also from a coach's perspective, you're looking at these players. And I know at least from a lacrosse standpoint, these girls only played maybe one, one tournament over the summer. So that's, it's kind of a bad representation to see, Oh, this person had a really awesome weekend or this person person had a bad weekend. We don't want to recruit yeah, it them anymore. Yeah. It makes it tough for the late bloomers yeah. for sure. Like mm-hmm. your senior season does won't matter as, as much as maybe previous right. ones did, but kind of to go back to touch on the two signings today to also see it all to come to fruition after, you know, seeing Roy Williams uh, over at uh, green central <laughs> high school for a game, even Kevin Keats at, at games as well for um, for both the guys. It, it's cool to see them actually sign and, and stay in state too, which, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Should be good to watch those guys. Dayron Sharp is getting set to start his freshman season with the Tar Heels of North Carolina, so that's going to be fun to, to see him. I've seen him slam many a basketball <laughs> at South Central, so that'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's close it out with high school football. The uh, private schools in our area with their uh, semifinals and finals and are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Coming up uh, on Friday night, Parrot Academy takes on St. David's of Raleigh. Uh, Fayetteville Christian will take on JP2, and that'll be a Saturday game. Uh, Pungo is at Lawrence. Pungo is the top seed in Division Two, and then Community Christian takes on Bethel Christian. And, and you know, we haven't had a lot of high school football, but it's been kind of fun to, you know, look at these teams and to recognize some of the names. And, and we wish, you know, the teams in our area the very best of luck. But uh, we've, we've got a taste of high school football. It's better than having none. It's better than having none. And uh, when you look at, at the favorites, I guess I guess you'd have to favor the, the top seed. St. David's is loaded. Yep. You know, they're yeah. really, really good. Uh, and Pongo's had a great year, so I, those, these would have to be the favorites as far as that goes. Although uh, Bethel Christian, they've had some COVID problems. So. Yeah, that situation is so funny. Uh, Bethel Christian and, and Pungo obviously faced off earlier in the year, and Pungo won that game. But Bethel Christian has only played three games, and they're in the playoffs. They, they, they were only two games in the season last Friday when they had their senior night. So it's such a strange situation where, you know, when I was talking to, to the, the coaches, uh, you know, they they just want their guys to play. You know, you know they have been practicing since August, and they haven't gotten the opportunity to actually play the game that they are all out there sweating and working real hard for. So, uh, the fact that you know, and and I think it's Division One is what the lower division is called, which is Pungo Christian, Bethel Lawrence, um, in that division, uh, everyone made the playoffs. There was only four teams that decided to play. So a lot of teams opted out. Uh, I think one team played one game and then opted out. Um, so they only had four four teams mm-hmm. in the area play. So that's going to be a, a strange state championship. But you know, give credit to the guys for for dealing with everything and getting an entire season into. And then obviously in the Division Two playoffs, St. David's looks great. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see all those teams face off because it's a pretty evenly matched uh, a group in that division. 
honestly, it's been fun, though, to have not as many teams because you're able to dissect each team and really get to know some of the coaches and the players, which has been super awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. And the public schools will, of course, uh, they kick off their practices February the 8th, mm-hmm. if my dates are correct. And then their right first games are February the 26th. Yep. So volleyball starts next yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, if if everything stays the same, I'm not sure how yeah. what the governor came out with with uh, you know crowds of tw- phase three still. from 25 to 10 indoors. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to you know alter the the crowds as far as that goes. But mm-hmm. the North Carolina High School Athletic Association hasn't said anything as of yet. But hopefully we'll have volleyball and I think cross country. Uh, they're they're. Uh, matches also start coming up next week swimming and diving and then basketball on the radar too yeah so that's coming up so that'll be fun as well all right this has been your not on your side sports podcast for nolan knight and kelsey o'donnell i'm brian bailey have yourself a great sports week and we'll see you back here next week